1: I about threw up, all right? Have a little bit more social awareness. That's to take a piss, don't take a shit in the
0: porta potties, all right?
1: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Butting Heads Podcast on Ram Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. And uh, tonight, I, I'd say our most recurring guest on the pod, Kev Masaregin of Roto Baller, is back. How you doing, guys? Hey, how's it going, Steve? Thank you. Uh, happy to be on. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, and before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out to a uh, uh, Twitter listener, Steven Cavanaugh. Hit us up with... The unedited version of the Sean McVay porta potty soundbite as requested by me on last week's pod. So that is now our new intro. I, th- I think we're going to keep it for a bit. Uh, That's a great soundbite, unless we get something better. But, Johnny, this week's Hard Knocks was kind of a bore, so we figured we we're just going to skip it and talk some fantasy with Kev. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Nothing much. All right. Well, let's get into it. So for everyone here and for the listeners, for the sake of conversation, we're going to be talking fantasy values of our beloved Rams players, uh, because as we all know, we all probably want to draft most of these guys. Well, I don't I don't know about Kev. We'll see. But uh, we want to talk about these guys at their ADP average draft position. So they are getting drafted and see whether or not we think they're worth taking at that range. So uh, Kev, since you're a little crunch for time possibly, let's start I I think we should start with the more interesting guys and work our way down. So I want to start with uh, a highly contested player. Uh, and I, I heard if you didn't hear Kev with uh Sosa on the Lockdown Rams podcast, they talked about this. Tyler Higby. Uh and the great the great Rams tight end debate of Fantasy Twitter. He is currently ranked as a he's he's being drafted as a seventh tight end, seventy two and a half ADP, which is about the late sixth, early seventh round, and we're using half PPR ADP here uh, to to lay the groundwork. Last year he finished as the tight end eight, but that was carried by the last five weeks of the season, where he had forty three catches for five hundred twenty two yards and two touchdowns. Was the tight end one by far? Uh but for the first twelve games that led up to that, he was the tight end thirty six, had twenty six grabs for two hundred twelve yards and a touchdown. Uh I I mean during that during the first twelve games, Gerald Everett had thirty seven catches for four hundred eight yards and two touchdowns. He was a tight end fourteen. The the big debate here really is like I I don't think any sane person is gonna say Tyler Higbee's 522 yards and five touchdowns, or two touchdowns in five games is sustainable. Because if that were true, you'd be taking him as the first tight end off the board. Because that's who he would be with those numbers. Uh, he'd be up near 1,500 yards, 120 receptions, and six touchdowns on the year. Uh, but. Like, I think he is properly being drafted. Kev, I guess the question for you is, like, is he worth the risk? Because obviously this is a guy, given what we saw last year, has a really high floor and a really low, or sorry, really low floor, but a fairly high ceiling. Uh,
3: I don't think his floor is that low. I think Higby is a pretty safe tight end pick we're not gonna see similar production to what he produced or uh over the last five games I want to say of the season as you mentioned where he oh my god how many yards did he put up 500 522. 522
1: yeah in yeah five 522
3: games. with two touchdowns he only had three total touchdowns on the year his first uh first one coming in the first game of the season and I think it's important to note what really happened to him after the second game of the season so uh, Tyler Higby in the first game played 51% of the snaps. Everett played 39%. So he got to out snap uh, Everett in that first game. He had four catches for 20 yards and a touchdown, which is a fantasy viable start. That's about that's 12 PPR points, 10 uh, half PPR as you mentioned before. Uh, extremely viable. You'll take that out of a tight end. That's tight end one production. 20 yards and a touchdown. So. Um, in this first game, he did manage to produce, and this was against a defense that is better against tight ends uh, in the Carolina Panthers with uh, Shaq Thompson and Luke Keekley in the middle of the field defending pretty well. And I know tight end defense isn't really a thing, but there are some teams that defend the position better and allow for the position to score more. The Carolina Panthers were not one of those teams, and they haven't been uh, thanks to their strong middle linebacker core. Uh, nevertheless, in the second game of the season uh, versus the Saints, Tyler Higby left the game early due to him coughing up blood. Now, I I don't know about you, I've never coughed up blood, but I would be terrified for my ever in that scenario. I I think the worst. Uh, Higby ended up in the hospital. Uh, he had two catches for 21 yards on three reception, uh, three targets. My bad, on 34% of the snaps, which is actually pretty good production. But after that, uh, he he missed week three, came back week four against the Buccaneers, played 44% of the snaps, and then saw his snaps incrementally increase to up to uh, 64% against the Falcons in week seven. Saw a downtick, and then it, it kind of fluctuated right after that, up until Everett's injury, where we saw the boon and those 500 yards came, and he performed at a historic rate no tight end in NFL history I believe has had four 100 yard games in a row Tyler Higby has I I, I don't know what to make of that what do you think
1: I I mean we mentioned like when we talked about Higby a while ago that he like he might be the best Rams tight end in the last like 20 years just based off of that stretch maybe even longer than 20 years because it's just been a wasteland of players but yeah I I think he's absolutely worth the risk where he's being drafted yeah, ever possibly. We've had like no good tight ends in team history. Um but yeah, man, you, I like when you brought up the the blood thing, like I completely forgot that happened. And that does kind of explain why not not doesn't tell the whole story, like there's there's a lot of factors here. Uh you know, the offense was bad. Cooks Cooks was out there for a lot of it. Everett was obviously taking a lot of the passing work, but it's the Rams did make a financial commitment to this guy before the season. Like they clearly, they clearly believed in him. Now, did they think that the dude was going to put up 500 yards over five games? I, I doubt it. And I don't think anyone is expecting that for next season, but you know, like you said, he should be a, a, a fairly stable option at the position, even if he doesn't hit that. Um, my, the only gripe for me would be in that regard. Like, you know, if, if he's truly gonna split some work with Gerald Everett and be in a timeshare passing wise. There's a lot of good tight ends this year that I like. Uh and in that range, he's being drafted in between Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, obviously a guy with risks, but uh, uh has a pretty high ceiling. There, there might be other guys to consider, but I do think like I do think what we saw the last five games was real, and I don't think we'll see it to that level. He might not be a guy that gets a lot of touchdowns, but I think you know, to expect him to be a low touchdown total, but a decent amount of receptions and be hovering, like, on the border of a 1,000 yards. Maybe he doesn't quite get there, but, I, yeah, I I love him at at where he's being picked. I think that's where he should be being picked. And, uh, you know, if he he falls to me at that range and I don't have a tight end already, I'm not going to hesitate to grab him.
3: Yeah, so my whole thing with Higby is I think we saw the type of season he's going to put up last year so he had 89 targets 69 receptions 734 yards and three touchdowns that's completely replicable that's not some insane tight end season and that's still tight end one status if you consider tight end one the one of the top 12 tight ends as uh, the as it typically goes so we're not going to see that 100 yard st- stretch come back unless he is magically the greatest tight end of all time which i doubt but um if you kind of average out the start of the season and the end of the season he could totally be a guy that gets like 40 to 50 yards a game and with the occasional touchdown and maybe four to five catches per game which is that's a very good tight end option you'd kill to get that some like some people are streaming tight ends that get one one catch and 20 yards some game so higby I'm comfortable drafting as high as tight end five he's right below right below uh the Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, Ernst. Like, that's the top four. And then it's Higby for me because him and uh, Austin Hooper are two tight ends who are um, in a position of success uh, in their standalone spot. But if the backup, let's say Everett or Njoku in Cleveland is were to be traded, their value booms. But at the moment, you have Higby who's a safe player with really good upside and a replicable season so and he's been healthy he has he hasn't missed more than one game and that one game was the game he was coughing up blood and uh the reason that early season production wasn't so much was because he was blocking more often than he was running routes when he ran routes he was one of the more efficient receiving tight ends so i'm a fan i hope other people buy in too unless
1: they're in leagues with me because i want to get him so johnny how you feeling about higby
4: uh Higby's certainly a guy that you do want to look out for in fantasy football. Particularly, you could even bypass the idea of him not being a uh, touchdown-catching tight end. I mean, he, he'll get you a few here and there, but he, he's not one that's going to get you a ton of touchdowns. That being said, he's if he continues the path he was going, at least semi, uh, towards the end of last season... I think that Higby is a solid option, especially because it's such a huge drop-off uh, when you look at the top four tight ends. There's just, you know, after that, it's it's a huge, huge drop-off. There are guys that can put up big numbers, but not consistently. So, yeah, I, I, I think this Higby is somebody to watch out for. I don't know if I would, like, really, really reach for the guy, uh, just because there is some risk with him, just because he's not that consistent. If you go back in history, but if he continues the path, this this is a this could be a steal.
1: Yeah, Kev, I do love that you are the highest on Higby. Like we bring we bring in the non podcast regular, and he's even more of a homer than we are. Uh, <laughs> What uh it's weird
3: how that works, but I there's something about him. It, it, like we saw a true breakout. His catch rate's gone up every year from thirty-eight percent to fifty-six percent to seventy one percent to seventy eight percent. Like there's something to look at with Higby and be like, okay, like this is there was a substantive breakout, and it's been kind of brewing. You know, tight ends take longer to produce than any other position in the NFL. The and you and he's 27. He's not even that old. So I don't know. Like, there's a lot to like.
1: No, I, I'm with you. I I you you said you would draft him as high as tight end five. I think I would take him as six. I'd probably throw uh, Darren Waller over him. But I I get the argument against that. I I don't know. I kev. I feel like you have a take here. Gerald Everett is currently being drafted as the tight end 34. So in most leagues that are not dynasty or super deep leagues, if you want Gerald Everett, you can get him in the last round. Like, Is, is that worth the flyer? I mean, uh, like, is, is it worth drafting for A, him to either have production here or B, get traded and have production elsewhere? Uh,
3: it's worth drafting him to have production elsewhere. There have been rumors floating about, like, via some really uh, conspicuous uh, tweets by Everett saying, like, the, uh, the decision's already been made or something. I forgot what the exact tweet was. I uh, I mentioned it on the Locked on Rams pod with Sosa over the weekend, but um, I think he's going to get traded. It would make sense that a team like, let's say, um, uh, what is it, the Cincinnati Bengals with uh, Zach Taylor, former Rams quarterback coach, right? Yeah, uh, quarterback yeah. coach. Yeah, so uh, he can maybe go join him. He's an undraft. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, in 2021, I don't think the Rams are going to extend him, given that we have to pay uh, Ramsey. We just paid Goff. We're still dealing with the girly contract. Uh, it would make sense to move him. We uh, drafted Hopkins in the fourth round. Uh, I don't know Everett. I. I don't think he's a bad tight end. He's seen, uh, he's seen an incremental increase in targets, 32 to 50 to 60 over the seasons. Like I said, tight ends take a while to develop. His catch rate did go down last year. Uh, his yards per target went up from 2018. He's athletic. He shows explosiveness. We could use him in 12 personnel as a sort of outside receiver to keep cup inside, which would make sense if we are going to keep him around, but, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's hard to feed. Like there are a lot of mouths to feed on the Rams' offense. I don't want to draft Everett to bank on him producing with the Rams, but I do think he could be a tight end one elsewhere, like Cincinnati, like Washington. Washington doesn't have many tight ends going on over there, and they could totally use a player like Everett if they throw us a conditional fifth, sixth round pick. I don't see why uh, McVeigh and Snead wouldn't pull the trigger. So. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Josh Oliver just got her in Jacksonville. There are plenty of tight end openings around the league. So it's very possible ever gets traded. You're giving up minimal draft capital. You Like you said, tight end 34. In most deeper leagues, he's getting drafted in the 20th round or so. And he has upside. So I'm in on him as well. Yeah,
1: like in a in a regular league, like I said, if you want him, you're gonna get him, and I I do think he will be used in twelve personnel when when we go to that. Like uh, I I get Johnny Munt might be a little bit of a better blocker, but I I still don't see the re- rationale putting him in twelve over uh, Gerald Everett. It's just, it's just baffling me. I don't think it'll happen. But uh, let, let's move on to. Let's go to Cooper Cup and and Johnny. I'll start. I'll start with you here. He's being drafted as the wide receiver sixteen at thirty nine and a half ADP, which is the early fourth round. Uh, if you play in leagues with other Rams fans, he might be going in the third round. He finished overall as the fourth best receiver in half PPR scoring, but he he really like I, for us that know when we watch him, he really it was a tale of two halves. He was like ungodly in the first half of the season and in the second half not not so much and maybe part of that is due to Tyler Higbee maybe part of that is due to them just focusing on less focusing on him less I think no I actually don't think he missed a game but I think he had a goose egg uh one week uh, I'll start with Johnny here you Cooper Cup obviously we love him I think all three of us would agree he's a good player and is going to have on the field a good season but the question is as a sixteenth overall receiver, are you gonna take a shot on, on Cooper Cup here at that value? Got receivers being drafted around him are Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, AJ Brown going before him, and then right after him, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker. Ooh,
4: so this is this is really tough because Cup, I I like him a lot. I think he really showed up for the Rams last year and really showed how impressive of a player he really is and how valuable to the team he is. But he also disappeared towards the latter half of the season. Basically the opposite of Tyler Hickney. it's, It's actually kind of interesting because I do think he is someone that Goth tends to rely on. So Um, He is certainly worth picking up. Just as high as that, I would put a question mark there. I I don't know if I would go that high with him, especially because there are other options for the Rams, Uh, particularly Robert Woods, who's going to also be one of the more reliable receivers on the team, too. So for me, I, I don't know if I'd go much lower, but I wouldn't go higher at all i think I, I would go a little bit lower than what you were suggesting because uh i i just i don't know like for me I, i'd be a little nervous to pick him over say someone like Cortland sutton um you know sutton i feel like is someone that's going to thrive really you know even with the addition of of uh judy i i feel like um sutton's gonna really really thrive so I don't know. For me, I got to I, I got I, I to say, yeah, I absolutely draft him if he falls, but maybe not as high as like around, the, you know, just below it. Like. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know where to put him, to be honest, it, it's going to be really tough because last year I was able to snag the guy because he fell so low and it was a no brainer for me. But and I got a completely value pick there this year, it's not going to happen, so I don't know, Kev. Uh, what, what
3: are your thoughts there? Where would you draft Cooper Cup? I wouldn't draft Cooper Cup. Whoa, uh, I know that Woo. sounds controversial, but uh, it really it re- the second half of last season scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, it happened to coincide with uh Brandon Cook's concussion. He suffered during the Bengals game. So uh, Brandon Cook suffered one of his several concussions uh, in week eight versus the Bengals in the 24-10 Rams win. Cooper Cup uh, did happen to perform in that game. He put up seven catches for 220 yards and a touchdown. After that, he had the zero catch four target performance versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, throughout the throughout those eight games including that Steelers game he had 369 yards on 36 receptions 47 targets that's 10.25 yards per reception he did have five touchdowns which is fantastic but most of those came towards the end of the year a couple came in uh, one of them came in garbage time versus the Cowboys uh nevertheless I don't think Cooper Cup is an elite wide receiver I think he's a very good slot receiver who can take advantage of matchups and has thrived due to the Rams usage of 11 personnel but we're not gonna see the Cooper Cup of old this season unless the Rams either incorporate Van Jefferson and make him I don't want to say make him unless he shows to be some very good outside receiver who could create separation downfield and cause defenses to pay attention to him Uh, If we're playing Cooper cup outside, I'm terrified. I don't want any part of it. He, he produced 792 yards uh, on 58 receptions and 87 targets last season in the first half with cooks. And then, like I said, uh, that mediocre uh, 300 or so yard production, what was it again? Uh, 369 yards after that. So like you said, tail of two halves, he didn't miss any games, which is great coming off the ACL tear. But I'd rather invest in literally every other Rams piece besides Cooper Cup. Not to uh, shit on him too much. He is very good, but he's very good inside. He can't beat outside coverage because that's not the type of uh, player he is. He works well in space, in the slot, beating bad nickel corners. If he's matched up with uh, like a Patrick Peterson outside, I'm absolutely terrified. I don't think he could beat them. And he's going to consistently have trouble. He'll have his games here and there, but unless the Rams figure out a way to incorporate eleven again, he's going to struggle.
1: Damn. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I brought up Cooper Cup. Sheesh. Uh, fantasy wise, I, I think there's definitely a lot of concern. Uh, he, the last, t- the la- from weeks ten to seventeen, he. As far as average score per game, he was a 32nd best wide receiver in half PPR. Now, for the first eight games, he was the fourth best wide receiver. And you mentioned the Bengals game. He'd still be ranked really high without the Bengals game, but that definitely bloated things a, a little bit for him. Like, uh, if if you take out the Bengals game, well, he only, he only drops the fifth in points per game if you take out that game. Uh, but still, it's... I, you know, I, I think he, I'm not too worried about him being on the outside because I think unless we're, we're in 12 and even in 12, they might have him off the field in favor of like somebody like a Josh Reynolds or something. He's going to be playing out of the slot for the majority of the time he's on the field. And I think he will produce uh, out out of the slot. I don't think he's going to be asked to do the things that they don't think are his strength. And you mentioned Van Jefferson. I mean, honestly, Josh Reynolds is going to get a lot of those reps from the outside. Uh, it's I don't know why they would draft another slot receiver like Van Jefferson to <laughs> when you have a cup. That's a different story for a different podcast. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, your concerns are valid, but I think he will be out of the slot for the majority of the time the big concern that would be a caveat here is if they play in a lot more 12 personnel like they did towards the end of last year that obviously doesn't bode well for Cooper Cup I I will say though like in in a 12 team league if I'm picking late in the fourth round and he falls to me I I will be fine grabbing him just because you know yeah he tailed up at the end of the the season but it's not like the first half didn't happen uh I think end of the fourth round, I'm, I'm fine with taking that chance because the upside is there. He's a good player. He's still going to be one of Jared Goff's favorite targets, but I don't think I'm going to reach for the guy. Like it, I'm not taking him in the third round. I'm not even going to consider that. Uh, but I, I do think there is still value there, but not, but I agree. Like if you're going to target a Ram, if you're going to be like, I want a Ram on my fantasy team this year, he's not the guy to target because you're going to, you might have to pay to get him. And I, he, he has risk if you're going to take him earlier than the fourth round for sure and even in the fourth round he has some risk but I think he's worth it in that end of the fourth range
3: yeah no I agree it's just right now his, on the NFBC website his average draft position has been 34th overall that's right below Amari Cooper a wide receiver I'd much rather have like you mentioned end of the fourth that's not really his ADP but if he does slip of course yeah like I, even I would take a shot on Cup if he were to fall to the late 4th, early 5th round. Usually doesn't happen, but in that circumstance, yeah, the value's there. You could take a chance on the Rams figuring out the offense a little better, hopefully by midseason where we have it figured out. I, I do believe our offense is going to look a lot better than last season. As you know, I'm don't, I, I'm not a girly fan as of his knee injury or his uh, arthritis acting up. I've been all out on him. I, I don't think he could rebound. And he did hold us back last season, not to say a running back will hold your team back, but a bad running back will hold your team back because it makes your offense so one-sided as it was last year. It was so much easier to stop us because all you had to do was guard the pass and not worry about Gurley beating you. So yeah, Cooper Cup, I'm not going to draft him over DJ Moore. I'm not going to draft him over Juju Smith, Schuster, AJ Brown, but I will take him over the late fourth options like Raheem Mostert or David Montgomery. So yeah, there is somewhere to take him, but he's not usually going around there.
1: Yeah, I, in the one the one full draft I've done so far, I got him at 47, which I was happy about. The other receivers there, Terry McLaurin, Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, T.Y. Hill. And uh, I mean, I, I was fine taking him there, uh, but he was on the board at 38 where I picked before and I didn't I didn't really consider him at that price. Uh, you took a, you took him over woods? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, well,
3: I, well, let's I, talk I about <laughs> I just know Woods. He's Woods is always good. Like there's nothing I don't know how he's always so undervalued. And I know like there are so many articles online like is Robert is Robert Woods the a sleeper? It's like no, he's not a sleeper. He's just under like he's like underpriced every year for some reason. He's good. Like he's going to do his job
1: yeah well i i think the upside with cup is higher and i don't think the floor is that much lower and and woods like might as well talk about woods he's going as the wide receiver 24 he's 56 overall adp right now which is like the late fifth round he finished as wide receiver 17 and half apr last year and that's factoring in he only had two touchdowns not to say that he's gonna have 15 touchdowns next year but he's probably gonna have more than two uh that's really low total I, I, yeah, I mean, Kevin, I'm with you. I think, you know, I liked Cup there more than him value-wise, but for Woods going in, you know, he's going in the fifth round on average. And jo- I think Johnny would agree with here too. I like, that's money. That's, that's absolute money in the bank. If you have Robert Woods in the fifth round, especially if you went running back early, like that's a money pick. You make that pick, you're, you're guaranteed like at worst, solid wide receiver two production. I feel like. Yeah, no
3: dude like 130 targets in 2018 139 last year and that's with missing a game so and he's had 1100 yards of the past uh, at least 1134 yards of the past two seasons uh 86 receptions 90 receptions uh this is 2018 2019 and I it's like just the touchdowns it's like the only people are the only reason people are dinging him is for uh, a little weird touchdown uh, regression, or not technically regression, because two touchdowns is just an outlier. But we, like, lest we forget, Robert Woods is a pretty good uh, runner. His jet sweeps do create good yardage. He's averaging uh, a little over seven yards per carry over the past two years, and that's on uh, 36, thirty-six carries. Uh, he's created a hundred and seventy-two, no, two hundred and seventy-two yards and two touchdowns on those rushes over the past two seasons. And dude's only like 28. He's playing this whole season at 28 years old. He, in his prime, he might even be better than he was the last two years. He could see his targets continue to increase to maybe 145, 150. He's going in the fourth, fifth round. That's an absolute steal to me. He's one of literally the most reliable wide receivers in the NFL. He doesn't get hurt, and he, produ- he just straight-up produces. So... I, I don't see any argument personally for cup over Woods. I get that there's upside, but I actually I don't see that with Cup. I think he's capped. Uh, be, just because of his athleticism. He's a great route runner. He's a, he's got great hands. He he could get that yak. Gotta but get that yak. It, it's just that uh, yeah, yak. I, I just know Woods is so reliable and he's he hasn't faltered with the Rams. He got like He missed a few games in 2017, sure, and his numbers should have been better. But he's literally, he's a cornerstone of the offense. And it should be a cornerstone of almost every fantasy team that you or I draft.
1: Yeah, and uh, I kind of contradicted myself a little because Johnny and I did rank Robert Woods as the number one player on the offense when we did player rankings a couple weeks back. Johnny, I would imagine you're on the same page as us with Robert Woods.
4: Oh, yeah. No questions asked. I mean, I don't, I'm, there's really not much else to say about this because he, he's just a guy that's extremely reliable. And I I think one of the reasons why he is underrated overall, not even just fantasy wise, is just because he, he doesn't showboat. He doesn't, you know, talk much. He just uh, goes out there, does what he's got to do. And that's all there is to it.
1: Yeah. No doubt. He's he's the man. Uh, great value at that. And I think even if, if you're in the fourth round and he's sitting there, I, I think that's a totally fine pick. I would have no quarrel with that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to the running backs. We have, obviously, the the two that are going to be getting drafted are Camp Makers and Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown's not really getting picked in most leagues. Camp Makers right now is going at running back 28 a 72 ADP uh so that's in in most leagues that's a late sixth, early seventh round I I actually in the draft we got Cooper Cup I grabbed him at 75 and honestly I'm not I'm not I'm not sure how to feel about it yet I mean uh Daryl Henderson also just to to have him in the mix but we probably want to focus more on acres he's running back 41 121 ADP being drafted in the late 10th early 11th round with Acres, you know, you mentioned Todd Gurley. For all the the faults we had about him last year, still finished at running back fourteen. So, Kev, I mean, given your feelings on Todd Gurley, which you've been very vocal about, I would imagine you're probably pretty high on Acres, given that Gurley finished that highly last year in a season where he was basically running on fumes.
3: I love Cam Acres. I think he is arguably the second most talented running back in the draft, first being Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Cam Akers couldn't have landed in a better spot to have immediate production. Sean McVay is, he's going to work wonders right now. I have Cam Akers in four out of my five NFBC leagues. There's a a $400 best ball draft. I took Cam Akers in that, and I made sure to, because I think he's a league winner. You can get him. In around the fifth round, I believe I've been reaching around the fourth. If I'm uh, if I'm a later fourth round pick, I'm taking Cam Akers all day. Third is a little too early. Obviously, he could return value. He could be a first round pick next year if he really wants to be. Think about how Sean McVeigh opened up space in our uh, zone. What is it? An outside zone or inside zone offense? I don't even know what it's called. But uh, I yeah, just I don't know. know the name. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm I'm not a guru on uh, NFL lingo. I just know where I can find fantasy value. And I know Cam Akers uh, is a value, uh, like, right when I look at him. He played behind one of the worst offensive lines in the FBS last season. 115th out of 130th ranked Florida State offensive line, which, <laughs> that's a disgrace. And it's such a shame that uh, a, prestig- a prestigious football organization like that, or the school, whatever, uh, put such a shoddy product on the field uh, cam acres 510 217 he ran a 447 40 yard dash he has a very good speed score he has burst he's uh, he was capable of receiving uh, he had a 10 percent college targets share he only averaged five yards a carry and well uh while that may discourage someone looking at him and being like oh he's not that good of a prospect think about the offense he played behind think about his quarterback james Blackman, who is uh, uh, that was disgusting if anybody's ever watched Florida State football over the past few years watching him and Francois try to operate uh, an offense it it was it was shameful Cam Akers was stymied by just his situation and he's no longer in that bad of a that bad of a field I guess Uh, the Rams were 19th in adjusted line yards and that's for running backs that takes out uh that considers running back protection and takes it all in that's via football outsiders if anyone ever anyone wants to double check on that so our offensive line wasn't as bad as it came off last year uh it was not great it, there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure on Goff but the running lanes were there and Gurley even then only averaged 3.8 yards per carry and like you said he finished as a uh, running back 14 that was due to his 12 touchdowns and 223 carries. We were giving him the ball. We were feeding Gurley, and I don't think it's out of the question for Acres to see 200 rushes and something like 40 to 50 targets this year. That's a steal where he's going right now. So I'm all in. I don't know about you.
1: I I, I like I like him at his value where he's being drafted. I I think he's very well worth worth taking. Uh, but I will say like. I have some, some caveats that reaching for him, like if you're going to reach up into the fifth or even the fourth round. Because, A, there's no preseason. Uh, and let me preface this, like, I, I definitely believe in Cam Akers as a player, and uh, Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you do too. Um, yes. Yeah. But, A, there's no preseason, so he's not getting any reps there. As a result, I think that we might see a committee early on. And, B, like, Malcolm Brown vultured some goal line carries from Todd Gurley, who say what you want about him, is a he knows how to get in the end zone when he's in the red zone. That did not disappear even last year. I think there is a chance that he's the goal line back, and that will even if even if A. K. Makers emerges as like a like a like a big time back. Uh, I I don't know if this year there's really a world where he is the like 90% of the snaps three down back I think he will absolutely be like 75 80% of the snaps at at best which I think is doable but I just I think there's a chance we have a Mike Tolbert situation here with uh, Malcolm Brown because he was also pretty good at getting in the end zone when they're in the red zone and maybe Akers is too maybe it's not a skill behind the Rams offensive line maybe that's just one thing they're good at uh but i I think that's a concern, and I think uh you know Daryl Henderson, I think will be more used as a gadget player, but to me, it's just is he going to be like the three down back we we think he can be at some point in his career, and would how long would it take for him to get to that point that that's my big concern with with reaching up for him, but I think where he's being drafted i i have absolutely no problem with taking him. I think he's well worth it in the 6th, the 7th round.
3: Uh, honestly, I don't see Malcolm Brown as that much of a threat. He only played so much last year because Gurley was terrible for the most part, and we needed to kind of you know, uh, give him his breaks in between where his knee wasn't acting up, but we had to load-manage him, basically. So I don't see Brown as much of a threat. I, I do believe he is the starter this season, and I put quotation marks around starter, because uh, that only lasts maybe one or two weeks because Akers is such a, I don't want to say transcendent talent because he's a running back and running backs really don't matter for the most part, but relative to the position, he's uber talented. He was the number one running back coming out of high school and he, its just a shame we didn't get to see him display his, uh, his elite traits all throughout college. And he was just stopped consistently behind the goal line. So, uh, if Akers does break out in my opinion it is going to be after about week 2 we'll see him like we'll see his burst we'll see his athleticism in the first few games but the true three down breakout won't be until maybe the third or fourth game where out of just some uh, some sort of pageantry we start malcolm brown we give henderson work and i do expect henderson to have work throughout the year i've uh, labeled him as a change of pace back uh, he's uh, you. You said he's a gadget, which is pretty much how he was used. And uh, in Memphis, even though he had so many carries, they they run a gimmick offense over there, and we're gonna use Henderson and his speed as, and uh, we're gonna use him as a home run back, I believe. We're gonna give him his carries, but we're gonna limit it to where he has open opportunities, but we don't bang him inside the way we could bang. Cam Akers or we did the same with uh, Todd Gurley the last few years because that's not his style. He's more of an outside runner than an inside runner where Cam Akers is an everything runner. So uh, the snap share, like you said, uh, 70 to 80. Mine's closer to 65-70 but the snaps don't really matter. The touches do. So that's kind of where I have it.
1: Johnny, what are you you thinking about uh, Akers fantasy-wise?
3: It's really
4: it's really difficult because I like Cam Akers. I I think there's a lot of potential for this guy. And I think this is going to be the running back for the future for the, for the Rams. I think that we're all in agreement there, but for the 2020 season, it's really, it's really tough to answer when to take the guy, because I think this is a guy that you can definitely get a lot of value out of him. But when that happens, I'm not entirely sure. So obviously this isn't really the guy you want to go into the season thinking he's going to be your week one starter because it could very well be that he doesn't get much of any action just depending on how Sean McVay and the rest of the offense kind of unfolds. Uh, Especially if McVay kind of uses week one to – be like a sort of tryout, which I, I don't think he'll necessarily do, but he's also mentioned that he wants to go by committee. So if he does a true committee, that means he'll want to get more reps to each running back, whether it be Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. I don't know if you want to throw John Kelly in the mix, but I guess you could. Uh I don't
1: I don't, know. I don't think like, you can I don't think you can throw John Kelly in the mix.
4: I I don't think so either, but, you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. So uh, for me, I I would like to draft Akers, but I think there's always that one person in fantasy football that's going to draft a rookie, especially with an upside of Akers. Seeing that Todd Gurley has already left, a lot of people are going to assume that Akers is going to be that week one starter that's going to be very, very capable and I think he will, just maybe not right away. So if you can wait like a week or two or maybe even three or four weeks of him just kind of giving just meh kind of stats in uh, for fantasy football, then okay, fine. But you have to go in with the knowledge that he may take longer, you know. And I don't know if that's really worth, you know, investing like a fourth or fifth round pick uh yeah. I maybe taking a, a chance at him in the sixth or seventh round like uh Steve was suggesting, I think that'd be more than fine. But my experiences in past leagues, there's always uh an overzealous guy that will go after a rookie, and sometimes it pans out for him, and other times it, it's just it's hilarious to see them draft him.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that over the zealous guy is me. <laughs> <laughs> Always, I, I love rookies. I, I love the shiny new toy. I love uh, the mystery box. You know, do you want the boat or the mystery box? I want the mystery box.
1: <laughs> I I mean, look, man. I think for like, it's, it's to me, and I I, I he, he Gamemakers was drafted high, and I think like there's a case for him to be taken in fantasy drafts this season. Not maybe not in dynasty, but this season over a Jonathan Taylor and over DeAndre Swift because he doesn't really have the competition those guys have uh maybe DeAndre Swift not as much but like Jonathan Taylor I think will after this year be the complete alpha in that backfield but Marlo Mack is like it's not we're not talking about like uh 2010 Cadillac Williams on the Rams here like Marlo Mack is is fine uh and with Akers though like we mentioned Daryl Henderson he's more of a gadget player we mentioned Malcolm Brown, he's more of like, well, you could throw him in there, like if you if somebody needs a break and he's he's going to be fine. Uh, I I I think Acres, as far as rookies go, he he has the upside. They used high draft capital to draft him, and he doesn't really have the competition. So, like if you're targeting a non Clyde Edwards Alaire rookie running back, I think that in for this season, he probably is going to be the best value and the one most worth taking the risk on uh, for those reasons.
4: Uh, yeah. yeah. going to be
1: Claude, Clyde Edwards for sure. Yeah. Well, he doesn't really count.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's going in the first round now. That's a little too rich for my blood.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kev, uh, just to touch on Daryl Henderson, because you mentioned he's going to be probably going to be used as a gadget player, but that still is being used. He's being drafted in the late 10th, early 11th round uh, I mean, in that range, if you're looking for a for a RB4, RB5 type guy, I mean, to me, like, in that range, I feel like he might be worth taking a swing on. I'm not, you know, I'm not over the moon about him, but, you know, this was a guy who was getting drafted in, like, the sixth round last year for virtually no fucking reason. And <laughs> I I'm happy and proud that I was very vocal about not taking him in any redraft leagues last year. But, like, this year with, you know, for for all the pros and cons you mentioned about acres fantasy value there's i think where henderson can draft it i mean if he's sitting there in the 11th round and you don't love your running back stable i'm fine with adding him i think he's got he's got upside
3: uh
1: upside
3: is uh one way to put it i think he's he could be good i think he could have his games he's the kind of guy I, i'll never know when to start assuming that acres is the starter i uh, you're he's gonna have his breakout games like i said he's a home run back He'll hit his uh, he'll he'll hit his runs. He'll have a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, also, not to forget, happy birthday to Daryl Henderson. He just turned twenty three today. Hell
1: yeah! So shout out that.
3: to him. Uh, I I wish him the best. I'm not the biggest believer. I didn't love him last year coming out of Memphis. I I just I didn't see the type of three down back. But I was buying in in 2019, assuming that Todd Gurley was shot. So I was wrong. I was. I mean, he was shot, but he he played the full season. So uh, credit to Gurley. Uh, it's unfortunate that we didn't see more Henderson. He really was. Uh, even when he was healthy, he was getting out snapped by Malcolm Brown. He hardly touched the ball. He had 43 touches last year. He wasn't an efficient runner on the ground. Uh, he but he did break tackles like one in every five rushes. He broke a tackle, which was one of the highest rates in the league, despite a uh, very low sample size here. So it's not that reliable, but there are, uh, there are attractive traits to Henderson. I just don't see him as a back that could take over any running back room, but he could have value. Like you said, 11th, 12th round or whatever. Yeah, sure. Take a shot on him. I'm not doing that. I- I'm taking my shot on someone like Duke Johnson around there because I do think Duke Johnson's the type of back, despite being a similar size, as Henderson, his elite receiving ability is more appealing. And the fact that the back in front of him, David Johnson is much more fragile. So that's just where I'm more comfortable going with. If I do have cam Akers and I want to hedge with Daryl Henderson later in the draft. Yeah, that's fine. If you want to do that as well, totally cool. I did that in one league and I haven't done that since, but it's a viable strategy standalone out of outside of best ball. I just don't see it for Henderson for the most part. So, yeah, he this is the last point I uh, unfortunately have to, I get to touch on but yeah, buy Henderson but buyer beware. Uh, it makes it makes sense for the Rams to use Acres a ton this season given that they traded up for Henderson 2 years ago and then took Acres with the first pick after having a full year around Henderson to see what type of back he was. So clearly in their view they didn't see Henderson as that type of back, so we shouldn't really either. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's more than fair. Uh, and honestly, now that I look at the ADP list, like the guys going around him, on Johnson, Tariq Cohen, uh, Latavius Murphy, Tevin Coleman, honestly, I'd rather have all those guys in fantasy than Daryl Henderson this year, like without much hesitation.
3: Yeah, exactly. And PPR, I'd much rather have Tariq Cohen... In any other league, I'd much have, rather have those other guys. So it, it's just a shame his price is still pretty high because I, I do believe there are Henderson truthers out there who believe he is some sort of lead back that is uh, being uh, undervalued when in reality the team doesn't seem like that and neither should we, like I said. So uh, thank you so much for having me on, Steve. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I'd be happy to be back anytime soon to discuss... Uh, the Ram season. Hopefully acres is balling out by then. So we
1: can have some, uh, victory laps to do. You got it, man. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure.
3: Definitely. Appreciate you. Bye Johnny. You. All
1: right, Johnny, let's, uh, before we move on to the schedule, let's hit quickly on, uh, Jared Goff. Uh, that's, that's the last Ram we haven't really hit. He's currently being drafted as the QB 20, uh ADP of 152. That's the mid thirteenth round. So basically around the time people are starting to draft kickers and defenses. Uh he he finished as a QB thirteen, but in points per game he was QB twenty-one. And pretty much every QB I had of him played a big chunk of games, maybe not like Andy Dalton, but for the most part they did. Uh twenty-two touchdowns compared to twenty-one. Turnovers. Uh, still at over forty six hundred yards. To me, like with Jared Gopp, I, I think and I think any sane person would agree, like, if you're looking for a backup quarterback at QB twenty, he's fine. But let's say like no no doubt. Like that'd be ridiculous to say he wasn't given what he did the two years before. But Johnny, let's say you're a person who's waiting on a quarterback. Uh you're not taking the Lamar Jackson's Dak Prescott's of the world. How would you feel if if you dropped Jared Goff and throw him out there as your starting fantasy quarterback in a normal like twelve team league?
4: So the so with Jared Goff, there's a lot of potential there. You know, last year wasn't his best season by a long shot. You know, there he he was awful in some games, and you know he he did okay in other games. But somewhere along the line, there is that Jared Goff from 2018 that was a fantasy god for the most part. That being said, would I want him to be, you know, your number one quarterback on on the team? Probably not. If If, let's say, you know, you wanted to, uh, you know, focus on running back, focus on wide receiver before you get, you know, quarterback, because chances are if you're going to reach for someone like uh, Lamar Jackson or or uh, anyone like in the top tier, you're going to have to get them in the first round
1: at, right. at the very least. And I think yeah. in, in a regular league, it, unless you have really deep benches, like if you draft Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes – Don't draft a backup. Like, you don't need to, Uh, unless the league's super deep. I'm in a 14-team league, and I took Ryan Tannehill just because nobody was taking him. Uh, But, like, when you draft one of those guys, you don't need a back quarterback. Uh, But, yeah, keep going.
4: So, actually, one of the uh, – I'll even refer back to my fantasy team last year. I ended up drafting Russell Wilson as my backup. I, I can't even understand <laughs> how yeah he was my backup
1: why Leaf did you was... why did you take a, russell wilson you probably had to get him like the sixth round
4: uh no actually he fell i have no idea why he fell so far but he fell and i i wasn't confident i mean i was confident but i wasn't confident in the quarterback that i drafted as my number one it was Baker Mayfield. Yeah. That was a big yikes.
1: Ha, ha, so, I Another topic for another day. Continue.
4: Yeah. So I, I drafted Russell Wilson, um, probably a, like three or four rounds later, because while I had a lot of confidence in, um, uh, big, ba- uh, Baker Mayfield, I you know, there's always that one chance because he, he still was relatively unproven. He had an amazing team around him, or at least so we thought, and nothing came of it. He he was a fucking awful quarterback. So had I not drafted Russell Wilson later, I would have been screwed. Like I, I there's no questions asked. So my point in all of this. Is that if you do end up having Jared Goff as your, you know, option number one, just because you wanted to focus on receivers and running backs first draft another quarterback that's, you know, relatively close to his level later, you know, you never know, you could be lucky like I was and have Russell Wilson sitting there.
1: Yeah (laughs) well yeah the fact that he fell that high and the fact that you took Baker over him Johnny is is a little insane to me but uh yeah I so maybe not with a guy that I'm drafting that high but I do agree with your principle like I like Goff when I if I wait and wait and wait to take a quarterback when I do that I usually like to grab two guys because you know the guys and like the end of the qb range they're they're shaky they're there they're still sitting on the board for a reason so if if you, like if you if you wait till like qb 11 qb 12 like when the guys like uh like the matthew Stafford's, the ben roethlisberger's the baker mayfields are coming off the board i like Goff there uh i would probably pick him as like the second guy rather than the first guy because he really is just like not being drafted this year which I get but also like I think he's become a value uh given where he's being picked but yeah if you're rolling him out in week one you're not feeling great but like it it could be worse uh and quarterback is such a deep position like if you want to wait you know like I wouldn't mind uh a Ryan Tannehill Jared Goff stack if you really wait a while to draft quarterbacks uh I don't mind a Carson Wentz Jared Goff stack or something like that even if like you really want to draft Tom Brady for some strange reason you can do a tom brady jeruk stack just like uh if you wait on quarterback I, I think he's got got value there for sure uh you might as well you could do worse all right since we and by the way if you think you say it follow kev at Surgeon on twitter if you haven't uh he's got great fantasy analysis there if you want more since that went pretty long we're gonna do two games for the schedule preview this week and then we'll do the last six next week since there's there's still going to be quite a few duplicates in there, but let's start. So we had, I think I had the Rams six and two and you had them seven and one going into the week eight bye. uh, coming back from the buy week 10, we have the Seattle Seahawks at home. Rams are going to be well rested. Seattle, uh, after, after last season, um, there's been no movement on the Jadavion Clowney front. They, they, correct me if I'm wrong. They they bring in they brought in Greg Olson. Um, they they had some shifting on the offensive line, if I remember a little bit, on an offensive line that wasn't very good to begin with. Uh, and but more or less, I feel like they they're they they have a similar team to last year. Oh, I'm a fucking idiot, dude. <laughs> I'm going to leave this in the podcast because it's funny I forgot they just got Jamal Adams We should probably start there Yes (laughs) I'm not editing that out (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed me just bumbling This is what happens when you don't do enough prep Uh, So starting with the Jamal Adams trade I mean they gave up more Than we gave up for Jalen Ramsey uh, For a player who Is very good He's a very good player but um I don't know, he's a safety. You know, you can't send him out there and lock up the other best teams player. I mean, they bring in Jalen Ramsey. Like, short-term and long-term, like, was this a good move? Does this push them more into the table for 2020 enough to justify giving up these draft picks?
4: No. Uh, Honestly, (laughs) did they get a damn good player in Adams for sure? There's no doubt about it. Does it really propel them to the next level? Not really. I mean, safety is an important position. I I think that's absolutely true. But is it the most important position? Would I value a safety over, say, a cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, who, by the way, can play safety if they really wanted him to? Uh, No. I mean, I, I would rather have Jalen Ramsey. And they put more on the table for... For Adams, so it, it still mind boggles me. Like I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they got an awful player because that's simply not true. But the amount of cost that they gave up for him and really did it improve them overall? I I would say no. I, I think if they're gonna put that much investment, you know, maybe go after say someone like I don't know an offensive lineman. I'm pretty sure they could have stole someone like that from them. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a mystery to me. Overall, when you're looking at a team like the Seattle Seahawks in 2020, they're essentially the same team as they were in 2019. There are some subtle differences, of course. Uh, Some improvements here, some not so much improvements there. But that's not necessarily a bad thing you know seattle was a pretty good team but i you know in a in a division like the nfc west it's hard to really say if they're gonna thrive or not just because you have a damn good team in the san francisco 49ers you have a team like the rams who could potentially be a damn good team and then you have an up-and-coming Arizona Cardinals team. So staying the same is kind of dumb, you know, if you have the options to do it. Like in the Rams' case, they kind of didn't have a choice, you know. They didn't have the, the money, but they did kind of in the uh, middle of the season go out and get Jalen Ramsey, who is someone that can affect the overall defense – in coverage so for me i i I will never understand the adams trade at all um they got a good player but that's really it um so as far as i'm just gonna go ahead and answer because we already know where we're going with this uh since they're playing in los angeles i think this is a no-brainer i gotta go with i i gotta go with the rams here and I think it's going to be a statement game as well. I feel like it's going to be a game that they won't win by a ton, but one where they win comfortably. So I'm going to say a 31 to 20 victory for the Rams.
1: Yeah, they they did make make some changes, actually, more than I remember. They they brought in Quentin Dunbar from a trade. Uh, they signed Chance Wormack, uh to bolster the offensive line. They bring back Bruce Irvin. As I mentioned, they signed Greg Olson. Uh, they did lose Jermaine Fettie, who was a starter on the offensive line. He he left in free agency. Went to the Bears. They cut DJ Fluker, who was also a starter uh, on the offensive line. Uh, hopefully, they bring back Josh Gordon. Nothing there yet. Um, but we get we get hit the Seahawks more in Week 16. But I agree. I I think I'm gonna go 33 to 27 Rams. Uh, but I think it'll be a tough game. It's always a tough game between these two, except in 2017 when we – or 2017 2018, I don't remember, when we had that beautiful, beautiful slaughter of the Seattle Seahawks on the road. Uh was an incredible showing. So, <laughs> so you got the Rams at 8-1. and one. Uh, I have them at 7-2. and two. In the next week, ac- across the country, going to Tampa Bay uh Tampa Bay I mean look we we know the story with Tampa Bay they they didn't really have any huge losses outside of Jameis Winston uh they brought back they re-signed a lot of guys that were important members of the team last year Nadam Kansu, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett all, all some big ones and really the only monumental changes with this team were Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski I mean, the the Bucks they went 7-9 and nine last year with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Johnny, do you think a 43-year-old Tom Brady like this, he vault them to being a Super Bowl contender? No. The,
4: the, I, I, there's no reason to believe that Tom Brady is going to be the one responsible for them going to a Super Bowl run because – they ain't making it to the Super Bowl. You know, that being said, are they going to be a competitive team? Obviously. They have a lot of talent around them. Uh, I, I think if there is one positive thing to say about Tom Brady being on the Bucks is that he actually has reliable wide receivers. And not to go on Tom Brady's defense there, he didn't have a ton of wide receivers that were reliable in for a while. Really? I mean, you have one and, uh, yeah, uh, overrated. I'm just going to say that
1: (laughs) the hall of famer. (laughs) Are you referring to the hall of famer, Julian Edelman?
4: I, I get so tired of hearing about Edelman and hearing people say that he's a hall of famer. It just, uh, bothers me, but (laughs) yeah there are much better receivers on the bucks than Adelman really much better receivers yeah and I I was never huge on on Godwin um I kind of expressed that last year and he kind of showed me up last year. he really did he stepped up to become like a really decent option. I still don't know if I'm on as high as him as like a lot of other people are, but uh, yeah, still better than Edelman. That yeah,
1: <laughs> he's clear, He's clearly a beast, man. I, I he's he's a fucking monster, and he whooped our ass last year.
4: Yes, he did. <laughs> to be fair, that was before Jalen Ramsey. Just yep. saying. I'm just saying. So. Do I think the Rams are going to beat the Bucks? I absolutely believe it because I just don't think that old man Brady is going to be able to, uh, you know, while I do think he's going to get more receiver options than he had in New England. I feel like even if you give him better receivers, he's just way past his prime now. And he's still a threat. Don't get me wrong. But I just I, I don't see him as being a top threat. So for me, I, I think it's going to be a close game, possibly high scoring, possibly. But I'm just going to say, 34 to 31 victory for the Rams.
1: It, it's it's tough to say, man. Like uh, before last year, we owned the Bucks. Uh, we had beaten them five times in a row but la- last year and it was also the weirdest fucking game I've ever watched was last year's Bucks Rams game. Nothing that happened in that game made any sense. Uh like Marcus Peters went from giving up a 70 yard touchdown to getting a ridiculously awesome pick six. Uh it was so so wild. Uh the defense is completely different than it was in that game secondary wise and on a lot of levels. Um a shootout it was a shootout offensively but I don't know man it's Tampa Bay I I don't know how to feel about them because like on the one hand they have a shitload of talent on the other hand like their line isn't great uh I'm not s- super sold on their secondary um but on the flip side like like on, on one hand Tom Brady is 43 and coming off one of the worst seasons of his career on the other hand like Tom Br- Tom fucking Brady is getting a new a new scenery for the first time in 20 years. Like we are any sane person would say this guy is probably one of the 3 4 best quarterbacks to ever play if not number 1. Uh and even though he's old like y- you look at look at like LeBron James is like 30 what is he? 35 at this point and still arguably the best player in basketball. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't have as much nearly as much wear and tear as LeBron does, and he's 43. You know, it's not ridiculous to say that he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league this year because it, we're not that far removed from him playing at that level. So I I don't know, man. They're such a weird fucking team. Like Gronk is there, LaShawn McCoy's there for some reason. Like I, I'm gonna love watching this team. I really really have no idea what to make of them, uh, but, I, 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 I can't fucking, I can't bring myself to pick in the Rams to beat Tom Brady, man, I think I just have, like, PTSD, uh, from the last 20 years, I,
4: fucking do it Steve
1: I can't have no I can't have the Rams going like 13 and 3 which might be where like I'm trending right now with this schedule uh and is definitely where you're trending I'm gonna go uh just for the sake of how weird last year's game was I'm gonna go 39 uh, to 32 because I'm trying to pick the most ridiculous score I can think of the Bucks win uh so yeah I don't know though man that's that's a game I'm looking forward to. It, it, they're such a bizarre, bizarre team. They, they're they like, there's a lot to like, but they still they still didn't really patch up the holes from last year's Bucks. Like, <laughs> their quarterback play wasn't why they, they didn't win, like, really at all. Uh, although, Jameis Winston, obviously, what did he have, a 30-30 season? Like, uh they're gonna be better off with um with tom brady i think it's safe to say but how much better off i mean that that's up to him and you know it's like who's gonna sit here and bet against him man it's tom fucking brady i'm not gonna bet against him until i i see a reason to
4: it's gonna happen eventually steve
1: i don't know but yeah it is tough like they're the, the the positives they had like a lot of their good players, unless you are young. Like Chris Godwin's going to get better. I I I'm even kind of a Ronald Jones believer. Not like, uh, not that he's going to be like the next, like I don't know, like the next Ladanian Tomlinson or anything like that. But I think he's going to be fine. Like I don't think he's bad. I don't know. They're a wild team. I can't wait to see how their season plays out. <laughs> All right. Uh. Well. We're pulling double duty tonight, Johnny. So we're going to keep going, but we are going to wrap this podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow Johnny at Johnny Five Six on Twitter. Me at Seer Barrel and Rams Talk at Talk Rams. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Hey, I went in there. I about threw up. All right? I have a little bit more uh, social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right.
3: The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is
5: still in range.
3: Where else is history? Still in a making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.